Welcome to Stance for Health podcast with Dr. Rod and Karen Wirth, where becoming healthy is not complicated. Control your health by focusing on six areas of life that we teach you so you finally have the energy you want, have to do what you want instead of being a victim of your age. I have over 20 years experience working as a chiropractor and Karen is a author, speaker, and longevity coach. We've seen how a tiny change in your habits today can open up your life to a powerful future. Start today and take your stance for health. Hi, Dr. Rodney with Stance. And I'm Karen Sebastian Worth. And we're here talking today in a general sense about ingredients. And the story goes something like a commercial that everybody that viewed it had a, a very guttural response to it when they were watching the movies. You want to talk about so that? just before the movie started, they the last commercial just before the movie was of a guy who was working out and they showed his armpits. He raised his armpits and perspiration was not oozing out it was squirting like out. a faucet yes like like squirts and and the funny part was that then it moved on to there was a, a anti-perspirant commercial and it was so memorable we're talking about it but as we went to shop coincidentally for deodorant <laughs> We were looking at the ingredients for that deodorant, and uh, we did finally find some that has charcoal, and we want deodorant, not antiperspirant, for many reasons we won't discuss right now. But I think it really is important that we know what we're putting in and on our bodies, don't you, Dr. Rodney? Absolutely, because when you say the very thing on or in our bodies, if you put it on your body, it's in your body because of trans. It absorbs through the skin. That's right. right. Trans. That's the other fancy word for that is transdermal. Mm -hmm. Your cells actually have to receive that, and they have to process it. And your hair, same thing. Absolutely, because it goes on your scalp, and that's another way for way to do transdermal. Put it on your hands in the form of lotion. You put it on your feet in the form of lotion. You put it on your legs in the form of lotion and your arms in the form of lotion. And if and if it contains some of the ingredients, we just picked a few, a couple today, uh, then putting it on your skin is the same as drinking it. And, and then we have to back up and say, well, who do you trust with that information? That's science. Transdermal is a way to actually put it into your body. So is drinking, right? And then you have to go, well, who do you trust with the information that says the product that you're consuming, you're putting on your skin or you're drinking is one that you can trust or one that you can accept into your body as non-toxic. And then we go into that word that we've discussed before called hormesis, which means a given substance will either stimulate you, inhibit you, or kill you. In the, and that's actually referring to pharmaceuticals. But you can actually refer to that word as either being something that you consume or something that you 
do on a regular basis that not enough of it will kill you and too much of it will kill you. That's hormesis or the hermetic effect, hormesis. When you think of someone that you trust, what do you think of with uh, with information? I'm thinking of someone that we refer to a lot of times is Dr. Murphy. He is a chiropractor who does an incredible amount of research. Every time we go to one of his seminars, he gives you the summary of so many books. He reads a book a week. And so I think someone that has done their homework and that doesn't have a vested interest in the result. So in other words, someone that has, let's say, the least amount to gain from the information that they're presenting you monetarily. I, in a, in a, yes. Yeah, so they're not being bribed to tell you this information or paid to tell you this information. If that was the case, then it, we, you, know, you might even go so far as to say that that's a conflict of interest, a conflict of interest, right? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. for example, a lot of the research that I do, I do out on pubmed.gov because of the rule that in order to submit that information or the research, they cannot have a financial interest. So that means that it's independent researchers that are putting it there. Now, I don't know all of them, but there's a lot of different, you have a lot of different options that you can look at. Okay. So from what I remember that stands out to me is that if you go to PubMed and you look at an article, it actually has a conflict of interest flag. At the bottom. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're doing your own independent research about let's say an ingredient and you want to know if that ingredient has a conflict of interest in other words someone that paid the researchers to tell you if that's a good or bad product exactly it'll kind of tell like you that commercials yeah the, the, not against meds but the medical commercials since that was allowed and I can't remember exactly when that started, you will find that they just picture, for example, a migraine, anti-migraine med that just showed the best life. I mean, it wasn't just that that person was functioning normally. It was that they were building uh, heights with their kids and flying them successfully versus staying home in a bundle because they had a migraine. And then at the end, it's that <laughs> constipation, diarrhea, it's about to suicide. And, and death. And death, yes. <laughs> so what I think I maybe we're both talking about there is the increase from the 1990s until the 2000s over a period of, say, 20 years, drug commercials increased in expenditure by millions to billions mm -hmm. with a b and so the enough times of that that becomes a trusted source it becomes why don't you take this i saw that it works when we first got married i wasn't as healthy as i am now and i ended up getting a really bad cough went to the doctor saw a nurse practitioner and she prescribed an antibiotic and I read, it was in big letters, side effects, caution. 
And I chose not to take it. And I got well okay. very quickly. So from what I remember, is it something that could affect you? When for you the rest of my life. For the rest of your life. Okay. That it, that it would hurt the muscles in my legs for the wow. rest of my life. So I chose other ways to combat that infection or whatever was going on and was grateful that I had the options, but also that I was, I trusted my body to bounce back. Yes. And I wasn't just going to that. But let's go back to that deodorant. No, 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 that's okay. That's, uh, this is just, these are just examples. These are simple examples, transdermal, but if you put it in your body, then you're getting way more of that substance, which could be non-hormetic, meaning it could actually come closer to harming you or or, or taking you toward um, uh, closer to death quicker, all right? So one of the things that I remember is that ethylene glycol and propylene glycol are very similar in their their chemical makeup. And... When we went to the, by the way, if it says healthy, (laughs) be extra careful reading those commercials because this was one of the healthy, not antiperspirants, but deodorants. Yes. So you maybe in the process of trying to avoid aluminum because you read an article that aluminum is not healthy, you go to deodorant and say, well, that's free of aluminum, but if it's here's here's the thing i want you to understand that when you see ethylene glycol that you're at and listen to the similarities in these these um descriptions of this chemical okay this is ethylene glycol found in many of the products that we consume either particularly put on our put on our bodies or and in some cases you actually consume it orally you eat it Ethylene glycol is an organic compound with the formula CH2OH2. So stop right there. They can say it's organic. Yes, because of carbon. Because it's organic. Because it has carbon in it. That's another thing to be careful with. The label says organic. Oh, it's so good that you would remind that. Thank you for reminding us. Be careful. Here's what's interesting about it. It goes on to say it's mainly used as a raw material in the manufacture of polyester fibers. Okay. And for antifreeze formulations. That's ethylene glycol. All right. It's odorless. It's colorless. It's flammable. Viscous. In other words, it's... um, semi-solid right but it's kind of thick and it has a sweet taste ethylene glycol is useful in industrial compounds found in many consumer products including antifreeze (laughs) hydraulic brake fluids some stamp pad inks ballpoint pens solvents paints plastics films and lastly, cosmetics. It is also used as a pharmaceutical vehicle. 
It, it, however, it is toxic in high concentrations and often ingested by accident or on purpose. Any thoughts on that? That just any thoughts come to mind? Well, I've heard of pets about can a pan of antifreeze being left in the garage and a, a pet drinking it and dying. Yeah. Okay. Because it tastes sweet. So having said that, now propylene glycol. Here's the definition or the information on propylene glycol. Propylene glycol is a viscous, colorless liquid with a family, a faintly sweet taste, and a chemical formula. It sounds familiar. It sounds really familiar. CH3CHOH. It is a um, miscible with a broad range of solvents. In other words, it can be dissolved with other solvents, including water and acetone. So it's water-soluble and alcohol-soluble, as well as chloroform. You ever, you ever heard anybody say anything about chloroform before in any other like movies or anything? <laughs> it's, it's toxic, right? Propylene glycol is a synthetic food additive, ladies and gentlemen, that belongs to the same chemical group as alcohol. It is commonly used as a skin conditioning agent and has been associated with as an irritant as well as allergic contact dermatitis and contact uretica uh, in humans. Propylene glycol is also used as antifreeze in, a, in the chemical, food, and pharmaceutical industries when leakage might lead to contact with food. Uh, so any thoughts about these two agents that I've mentioned? Well, one of the things that we started when we began our health journey three and a half, four years ago after your cancer scare, you can listen to some other podcasts for those stories, is that we became very diligent about reading labels. And if you had a label that was that long, that had more than four or five ingredients, then we don't use it. And by the way, she mentioned the ingredient list was longer than an inch. <laughs> you can't see yeah, it Yeah, that's yet. right. I will, uh, this is a podcast. So we, we use propylene glycol and ethylene glycol as an example, but that you use your noggin, you use your this, this information to take that same chemical and see if there's derivatives of that chemical and see if it's used in the food or the product that you consume, either oily or put on your skin. Or hair. Or hair. And basically you have to say, would I be willing to drink that? Mm -hmm. And then the question, so in, in this particular product, would you be willing to drink antifreeze that you put in your car? If it kills your dog, would you be, want, would you be willing? <laughs> it's a loaded question. It's hormetic. In, in other words, if you drink enough antifreeze, it will kill you. But how much of it do you have to consume before it makes you sick, before you feel sick, before it affects your body chemistry, before it affects your ability to, to, to function? And you really would have no idea or tie it back to these products mm -hmm. unless you had, like it said, an allergic reaction. Yeah. But how many of us? are 
consuming and using products that should probably, as we said, be put in the trash. And then (laughs) apologize to the trash can. (laughs) We are surrounded by it. And I think this is mainly just a wake-up call to Mm. start reading labels. Yeah. And perhaps be more diligent. I know that in that in this arena, we did end up with one that was really good because it was it the way that it stopped the perspiration was through charcoal. And we are we're satisfied with the ingredients and we purchased it. And so I think that's something to think about that for all the progress that we've made. We aren't living longer. In other words, if you look at health from a triage perspective, that's just the person that's injured or dying the quickest. You want to you want to solve that problem. We do first. that very well. We do that pretty well, but it's not a good it's not a good recipe for long living. So we say all these things always. Everything that we're telling you is based on everything that we've discovered to this point, we may discover something completely different in the time uh, between now and the next time you listen, but it's unlikely that propylene glycol <laughs> and ethylene glycol will change. Not that That's an example. And then also things like MSG and it's all of its names. Uh, 40 plus of them. It's unlikely that that will change. And I'm sure there's others, but those are things that come to mind that you should definitely stay away from. So when you look for, let's say, an uh, an ingredient list in a food product or product that put you put on your hair or your or your skin in any way, these are things that that we should really we want to encourage you to to look at before you purchase that product to put it in your body or on your body. All this is so that. You know, we always say it at the end of every podcast. We want you to take your stance for health. We thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us at Stance for Health podcast, where getting healthy and staying that way are not as complicated as you might think. Subscribe now and discover steps and small changes that can increase your energy and open the door to vibrant health and longevity. If this podcast has been helpful, please write a review. We'll see you next time.